0: Welcome to episode 13 of the Untethered Podcast. Today we have Tara Clancy, a certified educator who specializes in breathing and sleep education. Since graduating from Columbia University over two decades ago, she has helped thousands of people look better, feel better, and do better. It is Tara's expertise in Buteco breathing, devotion to natural health, and infinite desire to know why that allows her to help so many people improve their lives. As a recovering mouth breather herself, O2 Terra is committed not only to helping people treat their breathing problems, but to prevent them altogether. Currently, she is writing a groundbreaking book to help others avoid the long-term problems created by mouth breathing, and her O2 Terra Guides health series gives parents practical strategies to help kids develop a face with O2 space. Tara is a member of the National Speakers Association and serves as president of the Connecticut chapter. She has informed and inspired audiences in the U.S. and internationally with her signature talk, Is Your Sleep Making You Tired? Quick disclaimer, all information, content, and material of this podcast are the opinions of the speakers and is for the informational purpose only and not intended to serve as a substitute for the consultation, diagnosis, and or medical treatment of a qualified healthcare provider. Thank you, Tara, for being with us today. I'm really excited to learn more about what it is that you do in the airway space. Thank you, Kelly. I'm excited to be here to talk about it with you. Awesome. So um, let's start with how you got into airway. Well, uh, you know how sometimes a bad thing can lead to something good? Well, that's kind of the
1: case for me in airway. Uh, about five years ago, I was in a, a sort of minor hit-and-run accident, um, but it, I left me with some shoulder pain so I was always you know naturally oriented towards like holistic medicine so I went to the acupuncturist uh, to see if I could get some relief and after a few sessions it wasn't really clearing up so she said well you know you may want to go see an osteopath so of course I said what's an osteopath <laughs> I've been there <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it turned out that that was the, the key to really unlocking everything that had kind of, that I dealt with my whole life really, but I just hadn't been able to connect the dots on. Um, And really what he said to me was, you know, I think you are dealing with an airway issue problem. And and that would explain all the things that I had, you know, as a kid being always congested, not even realizing that mouth breathing was a problem, all these other things that in in my teens, I had kind of, you know, bad acne and pretty much a bad attitude. (laughs) Interesting. Yeah, and then even like later on, um, you know, developing uh, asthma in my 30s, and then a lot of other GI issues. All these things I now know were really related to just the this uh, this airway problem that was giving me what I call nighttime breathing problems, and really it's just the cumulative cumulative effect of of uh, all those things. And so for the, for the past five years, I've sort of been. Working backwards really to correct
0: all the things that have come about from this airway issue that I've, I've dealt with my whole life. That's amazing. So, um, yeah, <laughs> I recently took my daughter to an osteopath, and everyone's like, What do they do? and I'm like know they put your hands on you they move some things around and things start working and they're like mag-
1: they're magicians. I don't know. Exactly, they're- exactly. <laughs> There's nothing quite like that osteopathic treatment where they're they're really like literally you know helping your fa- your fascia, you know, yeah. function better and all those things. And that's exactly what he really uh he did for me and also also um you know referred me to a, um, an orthotropic dentist, where right, I had the cone beam scan done, and the interesting thing was that when I um, when I met with the dentist, he said, "Yeah, I can definitely see that you're dealing with this." Um, and you know, he told me how much treatment costs. And I know from our our earlier conversation, you were familiar with the treatment too. You know how expensive it is. Mm -hmm. I said, well, all right, I need to treat myself obviously. But at the time uh, my kids were six and 11. And -hmm. if you look at my kids, they look exactly like me and they have the same kind of things coming up that I used to have. And I said, oh my gosh, so what do I do now? I can't treat all three of us. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but what am I going to do is as a mom, I'm going to treat right. them now and, and sort of stop the progression
0: and then Go when back. I get around, do to mine, me, Yeah, yeah,
1: all right, I'll, I'll do myself
0: later. You know? Yeah. I did the same thing. I treated my girls first with the tongue ties, and then it was me. I was like, all right, they're 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 on their way, and now I can focus on me. I totally get that.
1: Yes. Yeah. And so, <laughs> um, so they had ALF treatment and myofunctional therapy and everything, um, and I actually now have the uh, the controls arch. I'm in mean, the controlled arch system, Steve Gallo's controlled arch system. I had the AGA in now. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, yeah it's, it's a really uh, I can definitely feel a difference um, in my sleep and everything so it's 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 amazing. You That's know, awesome. That when you um, when you address this core physiological need, this breathing thing, right? <laughs> when you address mm-hmm. that, everything gets better because you can. You sleep better then, right? And, and so, so many amazing things and necessary things happen during sleep. So yeah, it, it, the um, the osteopaths really and truly changed my life by sending me on this course of airway health. And uh, because of just the way I am, of like like wanting to always delve in and find out as much as I can, uh, you know, I've I've gone to the airway summits down in New York City with Howie Hinden, Michael Gelb, just to learn from all those amazing people down there, you know. And I'm actually writing a book on it too. And I've interviewed everybody from Mike Mew, Bill Hang, Patrick McCone, all of them. And Amazing. My goal, yeah, my goal is to take airway, this, this thing that. Some of us just, it happens to be lucky enough to get into like me, mm-hmm. or like you who's in a profession that where you are, you know, you have a closer, um, you know, connection point with it. What I want to do is take all of this and make it into a really accessible way for people who don't know anything about it to Amazing. be able to say, Hey, maybe I'm dealing with an airway issue and maybe I can truly get better instead of just like, putting band-aids you know and, and oh yes medication for this and I'm
0: oh gonna, yes <laughs> you know yep that's what I always say you have to figure out the root of the problem and stop just putting band-aids on it because you know it's, it's just not a way to live Absolutely. you want to you want to live to your full potential not just you know what we think we can achieve based on a day-to-day basis based on how many medications and band-aids we can put on Amen. so really exactly. let's try and maximize our airway and it's that
1: information just isn't out there exactly and that's i think the biggest thing that you know professionals who who know about this the 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 best thing that they can do is really look to simplify the concepts for um for their patients because, you know, you can tell them everything and you can talk about everything in a very um, medical way or a very technical way, but that doesn't really allow them to necessarily appreciate the essence of it. And what you really need to do is, is make them walk out of there in a way that they understand and they can say, okay, I get it and I recognize that I need to do something with it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so then how are you helping, you know, the patients who come into your office, for example? What are you yeah, well, so- your
1: yeah, so well, I, as a breathing specialist, I use um, Buteco, and so absolutely, hands down, what needs to be done for anybody who's dealing with an airway issue is to um, correct the breathing. You know, uh, Patrick McKeown always talks about over-breathing, you know, simplifying. It's a simplifi- uh, simplification of what they would say, uh, you know, chronic hyperventilation, right? Just make it easy for the people to understand. And I, I take Patrick's idea of overbreathing, and if we think about it, there there really we have two kinds of overbreathers: they're like the p- persistent kind, the mouth breathers, right? The people that we can you know those of us who know you can't not see the mouth breathers everywhere now
0: right 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 yeah right you're like oh my gosh through an airport you're just like i I need to turn my eyes off
1: (laughs) so those are the ones that are really easy for us to spot um and we know you know we know how to help them and i use buteco to help them uh reset their breathing but then there's this whole other category what i call the Um, The periodic mouth breathers, you know, they're not persistently mouth breathing that you can see them all the time, but they are definitely over breathing, you know, periodically and they are people who yawn all the time, right? And, you know, we know that people who have airway issues end up having uh, disrupted sleep. So they're tired and they're yawning. That's mouth breathing, right? Um, what about people who sigh all the time? You know, you sit down. Oh, that's that's periodic mouth breathing as well because you're blowing off way too much carbon dioxide when you exhale through the mouth. Mm-hmm. That creates congestion, and that's what brings you into mouth breathing. Um, I Also, people who, um, who like to sip um, you know, hot drinks and, and, or soup, that's mouth breathing periodically because you're bringing it in. Um, and again, you, as soon as you disrupt the balance of oxygen and carbon dioxide in the blood, you know, either by blowing off too much carbon dioxide or bringing in too much oxygen, you end up with congestion. And you also, uh, the other problem with mouth breathing is, you know, you dry out the whole back of the throat. Once it's dry, you're much more susceptible to all kinds of infections and all that. So sippers definitely would be, uh, you know, periodic mouth breathing. And then another big category of mouth breathing that many of us are guilty of, exercisers. How many times you're on that treadmill or, you know, you're out for your jog and then you start feeling a little winded. So you stop nose breathing and you start mouth breathing. Well, the catch-22 there is that as soon as you start mouth breathing, that balance of O2 and c 2 is thrown off. When that um, when that balance is thrown off, you cannot get the oxygen from the blood into the tissues. It's mm-hmm. um, uh, 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 Roger Price, who's a, a you know a really you know him right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. another breathing specialist uh he talks about using uh, as carbon dioxide being like a debit card you know he's like or an ATM card he's like you can have all the money in the world in the bank and um and you need it but you don't have that debit card you can't get it out of the bank and carbon dioxide is like that debit card you can have all the oxygen you want in the bloodstream but if you don't have that carbon dioxide to allow the release into the muscles then if you you can't uh, you know you, you're, you can't use it. And that's really the, um, the it's almost like a catch 22. You start breathing through the mouth when you're exercising because you need more and you are taking in more, but you can't use it, you know? Interesting, so, yeah. So that's a big thing. And then the last thing that I think about as a periodic mouth breather would be talkers.
0: We all talk, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's me. I'm like, as you're saying these things, I'm going, oh my gosh, <laughs> I have so much more to work on. <laughs>
1: And so, and think about it, you know, even you have to breathe through your mouth when you're in a conversation because otherwise you're going to sound a little bit odd, right? If right. you were to breathe in through your nose, it takes much too long. So, and, and I'm a professional speaker. I speak about airway, you know, like to a lot of people. So I'm standing up there saying, mouth breathing, mouth breathing, and I'm like, Yes, right now I'm doing it. But I have this little breathing exercise that I do after to sort of counter it, you know. You kind like, of hit reset. That's so interesting. Exactly, exactly. Um, and that, again, that's right out of table. So that's really how I help people coming into my office. But as I said, I'm also, uh, you know, a professional speaker and speaking to all kinds of groups to help to educate people about this. So I really have uh, this concept that I call a face with O2 space, and it's the idea of helping people tune into what our faces should look like. If we have a healthy airway. And the basic idea is, you know, that growing forward, the face needs to grow forward. Mm -hmm. And people get the idea that if it's growing forward, well, then obviously the airway is growing forward, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So if people don't develop a face with O2 space, and we kind of go through all that, it's all, you know, mouth closed, it's tongue up, it's all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, If you don't um, develop a face with O2 space, then I kind of get into my pasta analogy and I say, you know, if you think about Tubular pasta, you know, like penne, for example, or mm-hmm. the king of tubular pasta, monogat, You know, monagatti I'm like, if you if you don't grow a face with a two space, you end up with a little penny-sized airway when you really want that monogatti sized airway.
0: <laughs> I love um, that.
1: <laughs> and so I say, you know, if if you are lucky enough to have that monogatti sized airway, and you go to sleep and your muscles relax as they do you'll still have some space left over for breathing. So you're going to be okay. Mm. But if you don't have a face with O2 space and you really only have that little penne size airway, once those muscles collapse during breathing, you are now into the realm of nighttime breathing problems. Mm. You know? exactly. And then that's when, that's when we get into trouble, you know? Yeah. And so by using that phase with O2 space concept and talking about the the two pastas, it makes it very concrete for people who really have no understanding of any of this, right, no background, just like me five years ago. Mm-hmm. It really helps people then be able to say, I get it, okay, oh my gosh. And, and, it, and that that the breathing is what's disrupting my sleep. Because if you think even about the name sleep apnea, it is such um, it's such a confusing term because people think that the sleep is the problem, but the sleep again is really only a, a you know it's it's a result of right with the breathing you know right if you do, if you do look at apnea from a, a like a, a Latin standpoint it does mean like without lungs mm-hmm. so it's like sleep without breathing
0: right right but
1: most people aren't walking around thinking about that and the right. that we're trying to you know, meat are these people that are tired. They're not really interested in revisiting Latin meanings.
0: Right, right, right. right. They're like, just tell me what the problem is and how to fix it. Exactly.
1: So I actually even wrote an article
0: for um, Steve
1: Carstensen's magazine, Dental Sleep Practice. Uh, it was really sort of a marketing article. And it, it basically said, you know, what we need to do is rebrand obstructive sleep apnea. And we need to really call it something that people can understand. And I, I just threw out a term, you know, breathing-based brain cell death, because that's what's happening, right? You know, when you're – yeah. Your breathing is messed up. You were you having... brain cells, yeah. You know? And so if you say to somebody, hey, uh, you have mild sleep apnea, or, you know, like a dentist say, I suspect that you may be dealing with sleep apnea and I'd like you to go get a, a sleep study done. And that person sitting in your chair is thinking, look, you don't know what I have going on with work. You don't know what I have going on with my kids and my, my mother-in-law. How am I going to go and do a sleep study? It's not going to be really high on the list. That person, unless they really understand how serious it is. Right. If you say instead, hey, listen, I'm concerned based on what I see that you may be dealing with breathing based brain cell death. <laughs> I think you
0: get as soon as you enter the word death, people go, wait, you have my attention. What's exactly. going on? Yeah, yeah, and it's
1: like, you know, and then they're sitting in the chair potentially saying, you know, I have a lot going on at work. I have stuff going on with my kids and my mother in law, but I think this is more important, you
0: know, sort yeah. It's about your priorities, but we also have to help them realize what their priorities might be. <laughs>
1: exactly. And that is, again, where this whole idea of simplifying concepts comes in, because if you can say it into, to, in a way that's really accessible, then people go, okay. And and they, they, they sense the urgency. They get the urgency.
0: And that's where I said to you before, I always say to my clients, and it sounds a little morbid, I always go, breathing is life. If you can't breathe, you're dead. So, you know, I hate to just like throw it out there like that, but sometimes you have to keep it so simple and so to the point and catch their attention. So they go like, hold on, wait a second. What are you saying? (laughs) Tell me, like, tell me what I need to do because it's, it's important. We need to be able to breathe to live. And when your body's not getting the oxygen it needs, obviously there's a lot of side effects. So I'll I'll let you continue about your, you know, how you're rebranding OSA, but I think that, yeah, it's so important to really communicate this to the people we're working with. Right,
1: exactly. and and in that, like you said, that very concrete way that people if if you give them um you know medical terms or things that sleep disordered breathing and obstructive once, sleep apnea, and yeah, well, once you know about it, those terms make perfect sense. But if you don't know about it, it doesn't communicate the sense of urgency that you really need your patient to feel. Mm-hmm. So, the best thing to do is bring it to a very simple level where you don't need the medical background to appreciate it. You don't need any really specialized knowledge. And then that person in and of themselves feels that sense of urgency. Um, yeah. And, and I think, you know, like I mentioned, um, talking labeling it as nighttime breathing problems is just, much clearer than saying obstructive sleep apnea. The other thing that nighttime breathing problems as a label does is it gets us beyond thinking about obstructive sleep apnea as the only problem. Yes. We know, right, that, you know, there's upper airway resistance syndrome, right? When I had my sleep study, the um, the doctor said, you know, you had no desats, you're showing no problem. Luckily, I know enough about this that I looked and I saw I had 18 RARAs in there, you know? So I was like, hold on, something is still
0: going on here.
1: You yeah. Know? So I was not, you know, if, you were, if the sleep study is being interpreted through that strict criterion of desaturation... And then, no, I don't have a problem. But I couldn't walk around without drinking three cups of tea and taking a nap, you know what I mean? So something was wrong. Um, And then, like I said, knowing about RERAs, I was able to figure out there. And thankfully now...
0: I do not even drink any caffeine. I do not need naps. Like, yeah, I'm still I, a work in progress. So I still drink some caffeine. <laughs> yeah, a work in progress. <laughs> no, totally. And I, I still am too, but I've gotten to that point. No, you know, so too. for people you who are dealing anymore, with it. Yeah, to make it through the day, you don't need the caffeine anymore. That's the
1: difference. Exactly. Where it was like, it was not, you know, it was not, a, I mean, I joke all the time. I said, you know, I started out with with napping and then, you know, by the time my kids were uh, came around I needed to add the um, uh, uh, caffeine into the mix and then um, I actually ended up divorcing after a few years and so I was a single mom with two kids working full time I had to take up rock climbing just to get (laughs) the adrenaline, and then I needed to get through the day and of course I didn't piece any of those things together you know I just thought it was oh my gosh as a single mom of course I'm tired but then I realized it's because I'm not sleeping in the way that i need to at night i'm, I'm sleeping for seven hours but it is not frustrated sleep, mm-hmm. you know? so uh so i think that's you know really this idea of nighttime breathing problems allows us to catch the sleep apnea uh the technical desaturation the the uh, upper airway resistance syndrome and it allows us to capture
0: snoring because how many people you know that's snore that don't think that that's that an issue you know right right now i've had parents of preschoolers who were like we didn't know that snoring wasn't normal nobody ever told us that well clearly we're failing everybody because the message needs to be shouted like from the rooftops. Snoring is never normal, especially for a young child. That's like big red flags right there. (laughs) So We always used to think snoring was fine
1: and grandpa, you know, and funny and laugh, listen, ha, ha, ha. But we know now. We know a lot more. And thankfully, all the technology that we have has really allowed us to develop our understanding. Mm -hmm. And so now that we know it, exactly. We need to shout this from the rooftops and we need to do it in a way that the, the non-medical professional uh, person who needs the help yeah. can actually take it in. I, I actually have a, uh, a quiz on my website too that's very, you know, straightforward and goes through really the pain points, you know. Okay. Of, and will, of, you,
0: of, will you tell us the link to that? I'm going to put it in the show notes as well, but go ahead and share the link to that. And oh, then I'll also I'll share the article link that we mentioned before too. Yeah. To- okay. Yeah. In
1: my, uh, my website is o
0: 2 tara
1: Dot org it's o2 like oxygen you know mm-hmm. um and then if you just put o2tara.org slash quiz uh, mm-hmm. you'll come right up to the the quiz It is there. a quiz for
0: infants a quiz for kids and a quiz for adults as well because as you know the signs are very good mm-hmm. yeah and i went on there and i took at least one or two of them for like my my youngest my second okay. daughter i don't think i've done it for myself yet but i was like it's pretty cool i love the how you broke it down by you know age group yeah. um that's really nice yeah
1: and and to try to make it um you know to speak to the, the trouble that the people are having you know like it's relevant like, mm-hmm. right because then they can say oh yeah like for the adults for example i say you know do you wake up with a dry mouth do you wake up in the middle of the night to use the bathroom you know all these things people think um oh you know i'm just getting older now so that's what happens that's the thing right that's like, what happens that's true that's what happens if way, you have an airway issue, know about right, and we know fifty percent of men do, twelve yeah. percent of women, and eleven percent of kids. So wow. this is, this is epidemic.
0: You know? Yeah. Yeah, well, and with like the bedwetting, we ask about that on our intake form for kids because parents think bedwetting. And we even have pediatricians in our area who say, oh, daytime training is so much easier than nighttime training and keep them in pull-ups until they're eight. And I'm over here going, wait, what? My, my two-year-old was trained at night the same time she was trained during the day. Actually, she trained at night faster than she trained during the day. So I was like, this seems kind of backwards to me. And then as I learned more about how bedwetting can be, you know, attached to nighttime to sleep disorder breathing, yeah. I was like, holy cow, like how many of these kids who are in pull-ups until they're eight yeah. have airway issues? Like yeah. that's scary." scary. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And how many kids even end up, you know, 10, 11,
1: 12 and they're still yeah. out?
0: so I ask that on my intake and I even ask it for the adults because, you you know, it doesn't just stop at a certain age all the time.
1: Right, right. And then that's a whole self-concept hit, right? Yes. There are kids that are afraid to have sleepovers because oh, they yeah, you know what I mean? So it's like, you know, we're talking about physical problems that, yeah. you know, it's a whole. Absolutely.
0: impacts your social life, your yeah. Yeah,
1: everyday life. Absolutely. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, so it's like this idea of, you know, through that quiz, for example, connecting the pain points. So if we were to ask people that are in our offices, you know, coming in and saying, um, do you? You know, do you find that your nose is, is stuffy often? How well can you breathe in and out through your nose? You know, do you ever catch yourself mouth breathing? Are you thirsty all the time? And asking them things that are, you know, uh, when you wake up, do you feel refreshed? Mm-hmm. You know, and things like that, because we don't, if you, if and this was my case, if you've been in it for such a long time, and it's been such a dra- gradual decline, you mm-hmm. don't necessarily realize how far down you are, because... This, and you also come to think this is just it, you know? I mean, I was always a mouth breather because I, that, you know, I had allergies that were undiagnosed. Like, who knew that back then, right? So I was always congested, always breathing through my nose. Oh, sorry, I'm sorry, always breathing through my mouth. I never thought anything about it. Nobody did because like who knew then, you know, but now we know. And so if we can, we've come to accept it with like, oh, you know, it's, that's just what he does. That's just what she does. But we have to sort of say, let's look at why, because that's actually not what we're supposed to do. It, it's it's a great, breathing through your mouth is a better alternative to not breathing at all. Hands down. Yeah. I don't yeah. with Yes. <laughs> One that's going to bring you slowly downhill. Yes, it will totally
0: impact your health long term. Absolutely.
1: So if we can if we can start to question, hey, maybe there's a bigger reason for this, uh, maybe we can get it. And I know with everybody that I've interviewed for my book, they've all said, you know, the dental field is much more ahead of the uh, the medical field. Mm-hmm. And and I was curious about why. And they said, you know, the, the medical field really does, is very conservative in terms of wanting to do things until there has been, you know, so many studies that have proven this and, and then they'll adopt things, you know, whereas the, the dental practice, you know, evidently is there's a, a much more bigger element of practice in there that they're like, we see this, let's try it. You know, they're not as, I guess, constrained by the need for long-term studies, you know, they're, they're more willing to solve mm-hmm. them. And so that, so now what we need to do is catch the medical field up as far as the dental field is and, and, you know, keep going forward there. And, uh, and the other thing I think to think about with patients who are in our offices, like let's say they do, um, you know, say, Oh, listen, yeah, I'm, I'm experiencing all those pain points you just mentioned. I'm going to go get the sleep study. Then they find out, yeah, I do have obstructive sleep apnea. My, the doctor gave me a CPAP machine. (laughs) CPAP machine is, again, another Band-Aid. Right. And so what we want to do, and, and, and indeed a CPAP machine, two things about a CPAP machine. One is it's only going to help about 35% of people with OSA oh, because there are like four subtypes within okay. LSA. Okay. Um, and and also the CPAP
0: machine, because of its very nature of like pulling it's going to worsen over. Right. over. It like pushes your face backward, and we want to bring everything forward, right? That part, yeah. I that part I know. But yeah,
1: yeah. So even people who say, "Shoo! Thank goodness I figured this out and have the CPAP machine," it's like that's great, but you still need to attend to all of what they call like the soft tissue dysfunction, which I, you know, I'm sure you've heard that term. You know, we still need to make sure that we have our our lips sealed. We still still need to make sure we're keeping our tongue up. We still need to make sure. We're, um, that the nose is clear enough to keep our lips sealed for nose breathing. We need to think about posture, right? How many of us are walking around all day just angling our heads downward at our cell phones? Mm-hmm. We really need to bring our cell phones up and out in front of us. You know, it may look weird, but you know, in, in the at the end of the day, you need to preserve your airway. Or kids, like with the, the population that you're working with. You know, hopefully they're, they're reading, but if not, they're on, um, tablets and what are they doing? They're doing yeah. getting that. They call the tech neck. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So what mm-hmm. do we want there? We want them having a big set of pillows in front of them and propping it up mm-hmm. and, and making sure that they are maintaining that posture. Because as soon as you angle your head downward, you really do, um, impair the, um, the airway. You know, you, you really like impede, make it, um, smaller you collapse mm-hmm. you can feel it even if you even if you just keep your head straight and um uh, you know keep your head straight up but if you just drop your chin mm-hmm. and, and as you're breathing good. it through your nose it, if um, if you have a monogay sized airway you won't feel anything but if you're like many of us with a smaller airway like me like I feel it right now
0: <laughs> I'm doing it as you see this.
1: Yeah, you can, you can definitely feel it. And you can feel it with either the chin dropping if, you're, if your airway is very small, or if you angle it down, you feel the difference. So either way, we, we really need to preserve our airways. And that actually, um, I have this, I, I call it my call to action because we, we need a sense of urgency yes. around that. And yeah. the call to action actually stands for exactly what we need to do. The C stands for closed mouth. The T stands for tongue up, you know, tucked way up in there, just like you're ready, getting ready to cluck your tongue. And the the A stands for airway preservation through posture. And I have all these things on my website and different downloads that anybody who's, um, you know, wanting to get this uh, information out to people, you know, Feel free to to um, to share that because again, it's once we simplify these concepts and once we get them out to people, then they start to say, "Oh, I get it. Okay, this is important." I actually even have a, a I wrote a couple of of um, books. They been, I call them my, the uh, O2 Tower Guides series. Um, and one of them, it's, they're both about open mouth posture. And it's one, you know, is it bad if my baby keeps his mouth open? And talking about yes, and like how it's bad today and for tomorrow and today, like you said, because everything gets dried out and all that kind of stuff and encourages problems. And then tomorrow, because it's the whole airway health and it's that yeah. session of problems. And then I have uh, another one for older kids um, where it's just, you know, is it bad if my child keeps her mouth open? Mm-hmm. And it's funny, you know, when um, I shared it with some of the um, airway health professionals, they were like, oh, why did you pick that title? Is it bad if my child keeps her mouth open? Why not? You know, why not open mouth posture or whatever? It's like, well, because the people that I'm trying to reach have no idea what open mouth posture is, right. you know? Or if they're
0: on Google, they're going, is it bad if? Exactly. So that, this is what they're Googling. This is what they know to ask for. So I think that's brilliant that you came up with that as the title because I think you're going to reach more people that way. Yes, exactly. Make it simple. And that's exactly what I'm trying to do
1: is really reach the people where they're at so that they then can say, oh yes, I recognize these things, who do I see? And in fact, in the, in these guides, I have um, little um, like you know, flow chart type things to say, if your mm-hmm. child is experiencing this, then consider this professional for this reason. Or That's if you great. see that, consider this professional, mm-hmm. because People also need a way to know how to start. When I go and speak to groups, and like, well, who would I see first? Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, it does actually depend on what you're seeing right now, what your biggest pain point is. You know, like, for example, if you're not sleeping at night and you know that you have a tongue thrust, mm-hmm. well, you definitely need that for a long term fix, right? But if you're not sleeping at night, you need to start with your breathing, like correct your breathing because that'll reduce the congestion that's making you mouth breathe, that's setting, you know what I mean? So, it, it you know, it really varies. Or if you cannot get your tongue up, well then – then that's a whole new, you know. So again, the flow charts and those really help a parent figure out what to do. And I have, you know, like the three-minute water test in there, different things so parents can really get an idea. You know, I walk them through the whole thing about how we develop a face with O2 space and then why it's a problem if we don't, and um, and then what to do about it. You know, and I give DIY strategies in there as well. But like, yeah, like even just if you you think to so like well, if it's an infant how can you help an infant? You know, it's like, well, the main thing an infant needs is that tongue pressure to to develop that face, right? So right from the get-go, all you have to do is make a clucking game. You know, they're going to mimic you, right? So if you just start clucking, they'll start clucking. And so you're not solving the problem long-term, but right at home now every day you have a way to help them to, you know, get that pressure that's going
0: to help develop
1: that face.
0: Um, that's so funny that you say that because, um, so two things, one, when I have parents come in here, oftentimes their child needs a tongue tie release, the baby, an infant. Um, so I'm referencing right now. And one of the first things I will give them is, you know, after we know the tongue, aside from like the tongue healing exercises, but we're trying to get that tongue up. And I know you've mentioned that. And that's obviously, I'm like, my life is suctioning tongues and tongue to spot. Like, those are the two I'm like, if you graduate and you can't define that to somebody else, I have not done my job. But with the babies, you know, I tell parents, I show them, like, right by here, behind, you know, under the chin, under the bony notch, you know, just. Take your finger with a short therapeutic length nail. Don't use a long fingernail and push that tongue right on up. It's not a big space and the tongue will go right up and, and hit the palate. And through that feedback, you know, and if you keep doing that and you gently, you know, assuming the baby disclaimer can breathe through their nose, we need to make sure that that's not an issue. Um, but all airway things cleared, um, you know, tongue up closed lips or whichever direction. I'd encourage that because we want, we have to do it to the baby. The baby can't always do it for themselves early on. And, but I will say when you just said that with the clock, the tongue clucking, I started doing that with my daughter who was released at five days. My second daughter, I did that starting. Well, I used to just do it in therapy all the time. She started copying me at two months of age. I was presenting at a myofunctional conference um, in Chicago. She was Two months old, I brought her with me with my au pair because I was like, I was a nursing mom and I wanted my baby with me. And so she was on. I remember she was like laying on one of like the conference tables, and a bunch of my colleagues were standing around. And I'm going, clucking my tongue, and she's copying me. They're like, "No way!" And I was like, "Guys, they're like, guys, look what Allie's baby can do." (laughs) And it was, I just was like, "Holy cow!" Right. Two months old will imitate a tongue click, like. I call them clicks, you call them clicks. same thing, but like, oh my gosh, my, mind I was like mind blown, mind blown. And to this day, like it's the funniest thing because she still, she's does beautiful clicks. And my, my, uh, almost four-year-old, she walks around like going, mama, let's do therapy and like clicks her tongue and suctions her tongue. And, you know, some people say you can't teach us young kids. Oh yes, you can. You totally can. You just have to make it a copying and imitation game. Exactly. And that, you know, it, my background is in educational
1: psychology.
0: And mm. We so
1: often, um, you know, dismiss what, kids are capable of infants even you know what I mean that like we just we just don't think of that like I'll give you a funny example I had uh, a bunch of years ago I had a a cousin who definitely liked to drop the f-bomb a lot you know what I mean and Uh and she had had an infant and I was like you know something even though she's not able to produce it now
0: (laughs) she's storing that away oh yes how All it takes is 80 you know, times. And when she has some words, you better watch out.
1: <laughs> and what happened at two years old in the middle of nothing, this kid dropped the F-bomb and my cousin looked at me and she was like, ah. but what you know yeah. that, exactly infants they're paying them. attention <laughs> but they survive if they yeah. didn't learn how to to pay attention to us and to mimic us and so oh, yeah and put that into play i even say about getting them to close their mouths just look at them and make that m sound you know mama mama before dad dad too isn't that and voted right right can put all Things into playful things, and then and that's I think you know when we're both, what we were talking about before. We really want to get into prevention mode, right? So that we just yes. keep kids healthy. So we look at them from if we can get around to um, parenting groups uh, or and um, you know pre-parent like pregnant parents and stuff, and keep mm. the those people about this is what's what you want to see in a child and if, if we're, you're a newborn and if you're not, here are things to consider, then we are really at that prevention mode. I mean, we are, we are really good now with all the appliances, right? You have the DNA, I've got the AGA, we've got the ALF. There's so many things that we can do now to help kids develop that face-to-face. Yeah. Yeah. But if we can get that information down so that when kids are infants, we can detect it right away and then you know, you don't need major things to just, you know, we just demonstrated how clucking and what you said about putting the finger there, there's still a chance for that to develop very beautifully and very normally with some small kind of DIY interventions, you know, certainly like you mentioned the, the tongue tie and those, yes, that's going to need some prevention, uh, you know, professional intervention, but there are lots of things that we can do for a lot of the kids. We just yeah. need to sort of get this
0: out there in that really user friendly way, you know? When I do, I give a lot of parent education and I give a lot of very easy to do useful strategies that I think is really going to benefit the child. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not always directly related necessarily, let's say, to the movement of the tongue for feeding because I'm also working on airway and to maximize feeding, airway has to be in check. Yes. So, you know, that's why people come to me for feeding, but then I give them some airway strategies and education and, um, you know, I don't always say that that's what, is going on or I'll explain I'm concerned about this, this, and this, but Hey, these are, these are your homework exercises. So they don't always know. I'll tell them why I'm giving them what I'm giving them, but that's not always, you know, they're just, they're doing it cause they know it's going to help. Right. Um, but I think that's, you know, the, the more we can do now to prevent, for, I can avoid having this child, Come back to my office when they turn two because they won't eat solid foods or a variety of solid foods or even four months later when they try to introduce solids um, because of airway. There's a lot, you know, usually there's airway related issues going on with some of these kiddos. Their mouths are hanging open, like, you know, like we've talked about, their tongue is down. We can just get that tongue up and the lips closed. Right. Oh my gosh, like what else are we preventing? Like we, you know, we're obviously not going to throw these kids into studies and go, hey, we're going to take 10 of you and you don't get this treatment 10 of you and you do and compare you, you know, seven years from now. I don't, I personally don't think that's ethical. If someone can oh, do something like that or take information from kids who, you know, right. who have experienced that, that might be a different thing. But, but
1: you know what's interesting about that point t- to me? That in a way, that is happening right now because yes. of the expense of the interventions, right? So we have a ton of kids that simply cannot, they're, they're not even getting identified, let alone getting treatment, right? So you have your kids who... Who are getting treatment, and then your group who isn't. So very informally, we are happening. It yeah. is happening, and I think that that drives the need for what we were just talking about for this prevention education. Mm-hmm. It drives it to a greater level because you are always going to have those groups of, of you know different socioeconomic classes. So yeah. we have to get to a point of preventing it because um, not everybody's going to have the the. Um, the access to the interventions later. Mm
0: -hmm. Well, I think there's something else that you brought up that's, um, I think, worth mentioning, too, that I learned about, that you can be an adult who does not have airway issues, or not. I shouldn't say an adult, a woman, who has airway issues, who then gets pregnant, and all of a sudden develops you know, nighttime breathing issues, sleep disorder, breathing, apnea, whatever you want to call it related to your pregnancy, because you're quickly putting on excessive weight, your body's changing, things are shifting. Um, And I knew I already had airway issues before I got pregnant with my second one. When I was a little bit freaked out because people were going, oh, if you have a tongue tie and you've got airway issues, you're going to totally pass all this on to the baby and that can affect how the baby grows. And I was like, oh my gosh. So I went to my, yeah, I went to like my airway centric PT who does my adjustments um, with my DNA. And I was already seeing him prior to working with him with my DNA, in my dentist's office. And I said, look, you know, I know as somebody who does breathing education for others, um, I know that I'm breathing through my, you know, I'm doing chest breathing is what I'll call it for simplistic terms. I'm not doing belly breathing or diaphragmatic breathing, like, you know, and I cannot, I'm pregnant. I can't figure out how, you know, or before I get pregnant, I want to figure out how to correct this so that once I do get pregnant, we can do further work and I can make sure that I'm, you know, giving my baby what I know the baby needs to develop properly. Absolutely. And he, so he was able to help me with that. But again, that's not mainstream information. Mm -hmm. I learned about that because of the space I'm in and it totally threw me through a loop and I went, Oh my gosh, how many pregnant mamas are there out there? For women who are, you know, there's just, it's, it's hard enough to get pregnant these days. So like, let's throw all these other medical issues. How much easier would would it be if our bodies were functioning properly? And, you know, so you just, I start asking these questions. So if you're a mom who's planning to get pregnant and you're listening to this, you know, pay attention. Like when you breathe, are you breathing from your chest? Are you breathing from your belly? You know, I, I have to like put that out there (laughs) because that was, that was very personal for me.
1: Absolutely. And that is actually one of the upcoming guides I have for the O2 Tower guides, um, um, yeah, because the gestational problem is so um, significant, and then there's another um, whammy for females as well. You can have even you know that good monogaty-sized airway that we talked about and be fine your whole life, and then hit menopause mm-hmm. and you can develop a problem then because you lose the protective benefits of. The hormones when you go to menopause, and that can lead to greater, you know, uh, flaccidity of the muscles. So you can all of a sudden develop a problem then too. Interesting. And there's one more problem that we didn't talk about that women have, and that's women who have husbands who have husbands. Yes,
0: yes, right. Because that also can disrupt your sleeping.
1: (laughs) Disrupted sleep, you know, for you know, an external cause. But it's still, you know. Yeah you so if you do have a spouse and it could go the other way too obviously I'm right, not, right no but if you do have a spouse who's dealing with these problems like and, and especially if they're resistant just have them take the quiz on my website because it's like when it would become so obvious when it's when you're like oh my gosh there were 20 items there and 10 of them I answered yes to hmm Something I should look into.
0: So, you know, it gives you a way to be neutral about it. Right, right, right. Hey, honey, take this quiz and let me know what you find out. Exactly. You know, record me your results. Yeah, yeah.
1: Their problem definitely disrupts your sleep, you know? Oh, yeah. And we need to definitely, you
0: know, again. And I think there's something then to be said, too, for moms of young children, because obviously our sleep is going to be disrupted based on how well your kids sleep, because, were, you know, and dads, too, you know, this isn't just singling moms out, but parents of young children. Um, you know, I know my little one who normally sleeps at least till six woke up at four this morning, and my husband, thankfully, he's the best, got up with her um, until I took over at, like, you know, 545, but... You know, that that also, it, it, you may not be aware that you have sleep issues because your kids are waking you up so much that you don't realize. So there's other symptoms and things that, that people can look at, right? Are there? I know you have, um, I don't know if we talked about the signs, the cone signs that you mentioned. Yeah, that, and thanks for bringing that up. So the cone signs, that's a very user-friendly,
1: easy thing. I, and I call it the cone signs to give it an easy way to remember. So it's basically um, the C in cone stands for crowded teeth. So if you have crowded teeth, um, that's a sign that your jaw is underdeveloped. And when you have an underdeveloped jaw, it, it generally means that you don't have a face with O2's space and therefore you very likely have a, a penne-sized airway instead of that monogati. So a crowded, crowded teeth is, is um, definitely one of them. One point to note on that, as an adult... You may actually have straight teeth, but you have to think back. Did I have orthodontic work mm-hmm. as a kid? Because what happens in orthodontic work when you have crowded teeth? The traditional thing is pull the teeth yep. and line up the rest of the ones yeah. with a nice <laughs> smile. But guess what? Now, all of a sudden, your tongue has nowhere to be. Yep. So it's going to fall back farther into the throat because it has to be somewhere. Right. And See you grow. That happens, your airway is now smaller. So yep. So crowded teeth, either now or as a kid, you know, pre-orthodontic treatment. The second sign in comb is open mouth. And that's really the biggest sign, um, easiest spot sign. As soon as you see someone walking around with an open mouth, that means that they are mouth breathing. And that is the gateway to nighttime breathing problems. So open mouth is huge.
0: And I like that you say that too, that you know, because I have clients where I say, well, does your child mouth breathe? And they say, no, no, they breathe through their nose. And then they get into my office and they they don't shut their mouth the whole time. And I'm going, oh, I mean, so I think there's something to be said about people don't realize their mouth breathing or they don't know what mouth breathing looks like, even though the term sounds so straightforward and simple. Right. And the other thing is with the mouth breathing, I'm glad you mentioned that is
1: People think of it as like the complete flat jaw, you know, complete. Oh, you're catching flies, kind of thing. Right, right, right. Doesn't have to be that. Even just, you know, slightly open. That slight parting of the lips. That's enough because it also means that even if they're not actively um, breathing through the mouth all the time, just having that those lips parted means that it's drying out. So you're getting increased inflammation, and once you have that inflammation. Uh, you get the congestion. You, you can't breathe through the nose, so it's this vicious cycle. So yeah, it's not the amount of the thing of the opening.
0: Mm-hmm. It's
1: just the the lips should be sealed, and if they're not, it's it's considered open mouth. Um, then the third thing in the cone is um, the for the end is noisy breathing. Noisy breathing is basically telling you that there's some congestion in the noise the nose that's why you hear it and so when you sleep and the muscles collapse you're going to end up uh, I'm sorry when the muscles relax you you are much greater you have much greater chance of having collapsibility they kind of um obstructive sleep apnea as being a, a pressure phenomenon it's this you know this negative pressure so when when the space is smaller things pressure is greater and things collapse faster Mm -hmm. so noisy breathing means that there's um a smaller spot in in the airway somewhere and you're more likely to have that Mm -hmm. um, that disruption in, in, in breathing during sleep and then the last sign of the cone signs is the e the elongated face and so the elongated face you'll see that um starting at around um age six to seven what really happens is that if, the, if the, this, the lower third of the face starts to get longer and that's because the tongue is not able to do its job of supporting the jaw. When, when your tongue is tucked up into the roof of the mouth like we were talking about, it acts like a support for the jaw and when you mm-hmm. do that, it grows downward and when it grows downward, it impacts the uh, size of the airway for sure. So those are the signs, the cone signs. And the thing I like about the cone thing is if you think of ice cream cones, it really illustrates our whole idea perfectly. If you think about getting that large cone, you know, the one with the, the it's kind of got a flat bottom on it. It's wide the whole way down in the flat bottoms. That's what we want. Right. That's what tells you you have a, a most likely have an el- healthy airway because it means the face has developed it proportionally and it's not impacting the airway. But if you think of the other size of the cone, the small one that has that pointy
0: the triangle cone, point, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And
1: that's what so many of us are ending up with these days. You can see my face now because we have to yeah.
0: yeah, and now. you can see mine as well. Yeah.
1: We definitely have this and Stephen Park is doing a study of um People from the Midwest looking at like the 1950s college Mm -hmm. yearbooks to current college yearbooks.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: Yeah. And show the differences in our facial shapes to show how much, how epidemic.
0: Yeah. I would say if that doesn't show you how over-industrialized our nation has become and the the epigenetic, you know. Changes that are going on, and I don't know what will, but that is that's really cool. I can't wait yeah, to see that exactly. And 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 you'll start to see like you know, I know you do, but I mean, like we said before,
1: you can't go you know into a, a, a subway or wherever you can't go anywhere right. place without no. Now all of a sudden you will see all these longer faces too, and then all of a yeah. sudden you do see somebody who has a more squared off sort of face, you're like, oh wow, you know, you know, are yeah, like, wow, they can breathe through their nose. Exactly, <laughs> you know, and so it, it it really is essential. So those cone signs, easy to remember, crowded teeth, open mouth, noisy breathing, elongated face, and picture the two different shapes of cones. And if it's if we can get everyday people without any medical knowledge to just start thinking of the cone signs and walk around and you know look at your kid that way you know and if your kid is, uh, is 11 you know and has that actually i'll tell you one interesting aside i mentioned to you before about treating my kids one was <laughs> six and one was 11. so um when i look at my kids now they're now 10 and 15. my my 15 year old by the time he got the Alf treatment Eleven, his face had already elongated, so mm-hmm. it, it isn't. You know, we stopped the elongation of by treating him, but it's right. still much like mine. You know, because most of the most of the the growth was done already, basically. Mm-hmm. But my daughter, who was six, was at the tail end of the growth phase. They say it ends around probably seven years old. Mm-hmm. So. If you see the difference in the two kids, my son has the small, pointy size cone look, but my daughter has the large cone size with the much more rounded face. So it's wow. a clear yes. know, example of the difference. And, what, and, and she had not been a mouth breather for a lot of years, but mm-hmm. I caught it at a time before the elongation really kicked in. Yeah. It's not the look that is the big deal, it's the health. But right. But it's an interesting
0: side. Yeah, it's a exactly. side fact. He
1: it a- points out so beautifully how we're changing our faces and you know, by not doing this and how and that facial shape is just an unhealthy facial shape. So
0: yeah. Well and I I had asked an orthodontist who was presenting to a group of speech pathologists a couple of months ago about a question and about my daughter going into ortho and um, and she looked in my face and she goes, well, if her jaw looks like yours, then she's going to need ortho. And I was like, thank you. I'm going through adult expansion. I'm an orthodontic relapse case. I have a relapse case. I, I had, you know, braces. I had um, Invisalign. I had permanent upper and lower retainer, you know, the um, metal bars that were in there until they finally were taken out because they never fell out on their own. I was like, and at that point, everything started to fall back you know, to pre-treatment. Oh, yeah. Um, and you know, I had my wisdom teeth pulled cause I had three that were impacted, but no, none of my other teeth have been pulled, but still I know my jaw is smaller because of that. Mm-hmm. And so I look at my daughter who is almost four, she'll be four. Um, and you know, by the time people listen to this, she'll be four. Um, and she's going into an elf. We have her appointment, um, to actually have it put in, in a couple weeks. And, she, you know, she's almost four. And people are like, you're putting your four-year-old into an elf? And I'm going, yes, because this, this new information says that you can even expand children as young as two. So I already feel like we're two years too far in. I mean, not that I know that I would have done it when she was two, because I think there's also a compliance in getting a child to sit in a chair for impressions. You know, who knows? She did fabulous when we did this a month ago. Um, they were really impressed with her in the dentist's office. But, you know, I, like you said, it, what I know, what we, when we know better, we do better. And I'm trying to set her up for life. And she already, she sleeps all night. She does not wake up. She does not snore. But I'm not convinced she's getting, and she's got huge tonsils. And she had a tongue tie and she has other symptoms and I'm not convinced that she's getting truly restful, restorative sleep because she is that child who like, she could just go all day and she could stay up till one in the morning if I let her. Mm -hmm. Does not, she gets tired if she's really, truly worn out because it's hot outside and she's been at summer camp all day. But the kid stopped napping when she was 18 months old. Wow. And with sleep 12... 12 hours at night, which I thought was fabulous. So I'm like, oh, I get to go run my errands and she sleeps at night. So she's on my schedule now. And now I look back and I go, oh, wow, maybe that wasn't such a good thing. And, you know, her behaviors now sometimes will, you know, she's loud and she, she's my child. She is me in a nutshell. She is how she is. Sometimes she gets really like Kind of stubborn and angry and moody and yeah. I'm going how much of this might change when her airway is yes. <laughs> yes. yeah. and- crossed. I'm hoping those tonsils shrink and I'm hoping that the behaviors, you know, we get yeah. control, but let um, me ask you one other question in terms of wow. mouth
1: breathing. Have you observed her like for a lengthy time when she's involved in something like say, you know, on an iPad, like a tablet or, or, you know, playing with Legos or whatever, she have you looked at her for a long mm-hmm. time and made
0: sure she doesn't do it then? Yeah, she does okay. truly have a closed mouth posture. Great. It could also mm-hmm. be because she's by default been in myofunctional therapy for two years since, the, you know, ever since she had her tongue tie release and I started working with her. Um, I had some clients who would come to our house. And at the time I was, um, we were like in the process of moving. I was literally working at my kitchen table with clients. Oh. And so she would, you know, and they loved it. They were all okay with it. She would come and sit on my lap. And she'd go, mama, I want to do the exercises with you guys. And so she would sit there and she would imitate all the exercises. And she, you know, that education, she knew my mouth closed, my tongue up, oh, yeah. you know, and she just, for fun, I think I mentioned earlier, for fun, she just suctions her tongue. She's like, hey, look what I can do. Yeah, okay, yeah. Mom. Like, my, like this past week, she started playing therapist, like people play house. Yeah, she, yeah. she played myofunctional therapist. And she, she comes and sits in my chair and I have a little, put a little video on um, Instagram of her and my 17-month-old going, no, I'm the, I'm the speecher. I'm the speech. No, I'm the, no, I'm the speech. And then she's going, okay, mama. Okay. Now you're the client. You're the client. I'm the therapist. That's you funny. do this. And she tells me what to do. And I'm like, you know, you're the child of a mild functional therapist. Yeah. So I have a so. funny thing like that too, where my daughter came home from school.
1: My daughter's pretty, pretty- like a pretty gentle personality kind of loving kind of kid but sometimes things will get to her right so this kid at school did something she, she comes home and she's like i am so mad this boy blah 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 and he did this and he did that and he's a mouth breather
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh that's, that's hilarious I'm like, okay, like you know this child belongs to this identity mouth breathers <laughs> It's just so funny but you know like we want this too right yes. you know we want yeah.
1: to have this awareness
0: and like know. oh you're paying attention you get it yeah. and so yeah. that's why I say you know but most of my clients when you ask that question that you just ask most parents would go oh yeah their mouth is you know kind of even if it's three millimeters or five millimeters yeah their mouth is a little bit open and sometimes I notice they drool a little bit so their mouth has to be open when they're doing these passive activities um and even in therapy for me you know and that's why I don't think it's an issue for her is because she's really technically been in Mayo for uh-huh. ever. Um, not really, but by default. Um, but these other kiddos, sometimes that's the last thing we're trying to work on. Like we've got them, everything else is mastered, but clearly their breathing has not, is not truly mastered yet because as soon as the teacher sees them go to start writing in class or they're doing that passive activity or a different part of their body is, you know, taking their energy and focus, that mouth just kind of drops back open because they're no longer paying attention to what their mouth is doing. And these mm-hmm. are kids who've been in therapy. So yeah, I mean, that is a great question. <laughs> and you, you know what we do um, for those
1: kids? Um, and, and in fact, more broadly for that, but you know, in, in the Buteco mm-hmm. we use it. Tape. I mean, I do it every night for myself, just because as having been a mouth breather my whole life, I need that. Mm -hmm. But even like I went to Dublin and trained with Patrick McEwan there, and he had a group of kids there, and they had the tape on, and he said to the parents, you know, to use it just because it it's that extra layer of, of. you know, reinforcement while they're trying to develop this habit, because once your consciousness goes away, that's when you revert to the old habits. And you know,
0: I, so I haven't done any formal Buteco training. I've read some books and I've, I've used some of the concepts with some of my clients and I've actually had clients come to me who have already studied on their own, the Buteco stuff. And they're like, can you help us implement this? And, and, Uh you know, in, you know, in combination with the myofunctional program. So I've done that. I've, I haven't done like a pure training or my, or take approach myself. So the whole idea for, so for me, the reason why I know my airway is highly restricted is because the idea of putting tape on my mouth and I'm not an anxious person, it, it throws me, like I, it wow. completely freaks me out. And that's my body going, hold up, you're not ready to breathe completely through your nose. Like no. we need to figure out like what's going on here. And I've had the congestion, and I've had you know, I use you know a nasal spray, the exclear nasal spray that my dentist you know recommended. And I am doing the adult expansion, and so I know that we're working on my airway. Um, but I know that if I'm congested, I'm totally mouth breathing, even yeah. with my DNA device in my mouth at night. And you know, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it I'm has thinking. a little ball in the back that prevents me from from snoring. Um, yeah. So which I don't love, and sometimes. Right interesting i'll go to the dentist and they will be like you know the ball looks like it's like imprinted into the top of your mouth and i also think that there are certain things that are inflammatory for me and that happens they can see it that i'm like I, whether it's something i ate that i have a food sensitivity to or you know the allergy season or whatever because i'm still in the process so it's been a really big learning you know yeah, experience yeah. for me going through it myself yeah yeah I'll yeah.
1: mention two things to you. So um, one thing, it, a lot of people do find the idea of taking them out to be like, whoa, so mm-hmm. totally get that. And for my daughter, for you know, she feels the same. And just being a kid, what yeah. we do is, is put a small strip of the half-inch cake from top to bottom. So okay. it keeps the sides open, but it acts like a hinge. Oh, okay. So you know, if, if as you get more comfortable, that may be a modification that you can mm-hmm. think of. Because again, you're right. As soon as you start mouth breathing, the congestion increases, and so that brings me to the second point. Have you done the nose unblocking exercise?
0: That, that's- no, and I just recently I had a friend share that with me, and I was I need to do that. So yeah, and for I that reminder.
1: That yeah, I have that on my video, on my, uh, sorry, on my website too, for people that are wondering what it is. Uh, it's Patrick McKeown's video uh, yeah. right there. It is amazing. Before, um, I started doing Buteco like 15 years ago, just because I had adult onset asthma, and so my wow. major fan trained me in it, and I I used it, like, it, it was amazing to be able to manage asthma and then it wasn't until I started with this whole airway thing five years ago that I realized oh my gosh what I've been doing for just to match asthma is actually going to help me yeah
0: and how much you've already helped yourself I mean look at how much worse it could have been so
1: (laughs) and then the other point that you bring up about the um uh potential for allergies and stuff I mean Mm -hmm. you probably do have something that was my big thing and when I, re- I did all of the elimination things and realized yeah. what my allergens are. And you know, there's some that I can't have, like I cannot have gluten. Yeah. But I shouldn't have dairy, you know? Yeah. And I'll have some dairy Mm -hmm. and I'll feel it. It's 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 always a congestion, you know, but at least, at least it's a conscious decision. So it's well worth going through that elimination thing to really know what your triggers are. Yeah, And
0: I did, I did that after I um, finished breastfeeding my first one, because I said, you know, breastfeeding changes your hormones. It won't be as accurate. So I did it after and I was like, oh, a lot of the foods that I'm eating are inflammatory for me. I have, I didn't have true food allergies. I had yes. food sensitivities That's um, exactly what I mean. and, and you know, and everyone's, I know most of the world seems to be like, let's eliminate dairy and gluten and be like, you know, all the freeze. For me, that was the number one thing I was allowed to eat my first week, whereas I could not have corn or soy or, you know, like there were other things I could not eat, like blueberries, cauliflower. And like here I am trying to like avoid carbs and eat cauliflower and I'm sending my body like it. So when I was, when they were like, you can have wheat, I was like, yes, but you can't have cauliflower. I was like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't enjoy cauliflower. I was that just eating it so because funny. I was healthy. <laughs> so,
1: but you know what, what it sounds like to me? Have you looked into uh, leaky gut?
0: I totally know I have a leaky gut. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, because that yeah. was so my I, did the, too. Um, I did the MRT um, and LEAP diet. And so it's like the mediator release test um, and LEAP diet. And so that it's, it's like an opposite version of food diet elim- elimination where basically they send you a chart. And I'm actually whoo, it's sitting right in front of me um, right now. And it says in the first week, you can eat these foods in this category, these foods, these foods, these foods. And then Next, you know, after the first seven days, here's what you can have in your, your next set of days. And I think it's like days eight through 12 is phase two, but uh-huh. you can only add one new food in per day. That way, if you do react, you right. know what you reacted to. So it's, it's kind of opposite of like elimination, but then it also ha- mirrors it in certain yeah, ways. Yeah. I'm t- within 30 days. I think my, well, actually the first like week or so my body just like released 10 pounds. It just fell off. I didn't even try. Yeah. I was, and I was eating white potatoes, cod, tuna, like, Right, right. White potatoes. I mean, um, who yeah, would take it's a- all the inflammation
1: overall. I mean, I know the yeah. same thing. As soon as I do have that dairy, I see the little yeah. bit of bloated gut come back. It's yeah. just all yeah. of the, the fluid, you know? Yeah. The and I,
0: I think my first has the same issue um, because she's a very selective eater. And I know that there were the motor components and things that we've worked on, but, you know, she's. I kind of say, she's my, my husband's daughter. They both have some sensory, uh, thing, you know, he smells something and he's like, Oh, do you smell that? And then I go, Oh yeah, I smell that now that you said that. But I joke, he's like a pregnant woman. <laughs> like you have the, the sense, you know, the yeah. smell of a pregnant woman. Um, and it's like super heightened and she's the same way. So she, you know, so I'm like, what came first, the chicken or the egg? I can't figure out like how we're going to get her to eat some new foods. Whereas my second daughter, And I have to say, she was also, my second one was released much earlier and we worked with her two years earlier than my, my first, um, eats everything under the sun. I mean, every like spicy, high flavor, low flavor, hot, cold, you know, whereas my first one prefers like. Plant dairy carb I mean she's uh-huh. got that leaky gut right you know I've, I've read um, the GAPS diet I've read SCD I've you know um, yeah. I used to work with a lot of kids with with autism and so these were things that kind of were on my radar way back right. when because right. of working with that population and I just look at her and I go oh we've got so much work to do <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 but, but as think- we know well worth doing
1: the work oh, yeah it, right yeah, it goes absolutely. into the whole life follows them the
0: good I'm like first we need to maximize that airway and expand your amount ima- and then we'll see what happens for there one thing exactly. at a time
1: <laughs> absolutely yeah and it is a huge undertaking but it is the yeah. most important job absolutely i mean that's the main it. thing to get out to parents too yeah. that it's it is there is some commitment but you're talking about like as old parents what do we want we want a happy and healthy child yes so number one thing that you can do is make sure they're developing a healthy airway because you yeah. It, it you know it affects them physically as we've been talking the mental effects you know yeah. the, the, you know you're much likely more likely to have mood disorder if you have ADHD and, and definitely all all those things yeah like anxiety depression they're all mm-hmm. implicated and again it goes back to what we said what's more basic than breathing nothing right so if your breathing is disrupted your whole like I, I always say your brain is the command center and if you have a dis- disrupted blo- flow of air. Mm-hmm. Your command center is not functioning as it should be. Nothing else will. Yeah. You know, and, and that's why, you know, it, it, everything absolutely. is it. So, yeah. So, great. Like hopefully, to get this information out, we can get yes. to the goal of, of, you know, helping the kids who are struggling, yes. but ultimately getting to them before they start to struggle and really get into prevention mode.
0: Absolutely. I always say, if you can put me out of business, I will be super happy. Okay. There's other ways I can make money. <laughs> I did this, this to help and to advocate and to provide information. And if that happens at the end of the day, I'll feel like my job here is done. But um, I know we currently have a lot of work to get there. So, yes, yes. Um, so thank you so much for sharing all this. Oh, work. absolutely. That thank you. It's been, been, been a learning learned. experience for me. And I know it will be for others, you know, who are listening. And so thank you. Like, as I mentioned, we'll put the article on rebranding OSA, um, as well as your quiz. It's on your website. We'll put those links into the show notes. Um and yeah. Yeah. And I,
1: I'd love to see every office have a copy of the O2 Tara Guides in it because it's written for parents to pick up, you know, while the parent is in therapy. That's a great pick tip. up and then all of a sudden they get it, you know, and then they yeah. can bring it to other parents.
0: So yeah, well, definitely we definitely about the education, it. you know. Yeah, we'll link to your two books that you mentioned as well. Um, where, where can they buy them? Are they on Amazon or your website? Yeah, they're
1: on the website. And then they're, for, yeah, for the downloads. And then there are p- paper copies of it on Amazon as well.
0: Okay. Oh, great. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, we will also link to that in the show notes. Um, thank you again so much, Tara. I hope thank you have a wonderful you, day. All right.
1: Wonderful. Thanks. Bye.
0: Thanks for listening to this podcast. If you want to hear more of these myotots, airway, and feeding related episodes, be sure to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or pledge a small amount on patreon.com forward slash the Untethered Podcast. If you found value, others you know in this space will too. So be sure to share this episode on your social media platforms and join us over on Facebook on my Facebook page at Biz on Instagram at at And you can head over to untetheredpodcast.com to grab a copy of the show notes where you can Also subscribe to be kept up to date on the latest podcast episodes. Big shout out to Dana McKay, podcaster extraordinaire, for editing and helping me keep this podcast alive.